Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Harsh Realm, episodes three and four. I'm here as a friend, Tom. Then try staying out of my way. I've been to see Sophie. She's going to get us caught. Shut up. She's going to have a child, Tom. Your child. Open it. She needs you, Tom. We need you to stop Santiago. Look, if you're not going to go, then let me. He wants to destroy the world. Not the way I see it. The real world, Tom. By planning the ultimate terrorism so that Harsh Realm is all that exists. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the show where we revisit cancelled sci-fi television and see if it deserves a second look. I'm Luke, here with my co-host, Jordan. How you doing, buddy? Just paying at the pump. Paying at the pump. <laughs> Remember I, that? Uh, yeah, that's your favorite line from yeah. last week. Pay at the pump. Pay at the pump. That's all I want to do is just pay at the pump. You can. You take it, take it, it means whatever you need it to mean. Is this what you're whipping out at work these days? Yeah, pay at the pump. Anyone, like, oh, anyone pump. needs anything done? Yeah, yeah. Pay at the pump. So it sounds like a good way to keep your job. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I did a little, I put a little something together for us this week to get a little deeper into Harsh Realm. So uh, how could we get any deeper? If you're ready, Jordan, <laughs> yeah, brace yourself, because we're about to dock the podcast with Harsh Realm's fan base. I don't know what that is. Get it? Get it? It's like docking a ship with a... Yeah, yeah, I got that. But So we're talking about their fans? Yeah, we're going to talk about what uh, what fan base is out there. Jordan, I worked on that all week. You didn't love it. Um, We'll add a little music there. Oh, great. Really, put some shine on that uh, (laughs) turd. Okay, Jordan. um, I'm sure this won't surprise you. That Dark Realms fandom is pretty minimal. Yeah, I've, I've looked a little bit online and... There's not much. I mean, it's hard to hold it against the show. It, it, three episodes aired on Fox, then it went off air for six months, and the rest were dumped on FX. So, you know, not a lot of people maybe uh, yeah. cared to watch it. We talked about this a little off air, but there was a Reddit AMA recently with Chris Carter. I don't know how recently, actually, but it's sometime in the past. And I went through it, and there was only a single question about Harsh Realm, yeah. and not even related to the show. It was just kind of like, what was it like to work on a show that didn't succeed? So this like that's how much people care. Like no one was. Even I saw that there ask. was something like because it's funny we both looked at it. There was something like seven hundred, seven hundred questions or or seven hundred comments or whatever it was, and and literally only one was about Harsh Realm. Everyone just wanted to talk. I'm sure there's a few Millennium, uh, Millennium questions, questions in, there? in there, but it was just X Files. Yeah, no, for sure. I dug around a bit on Facebook to see if there was any pages for Harsh Realm. There, there was one, but like it was a pretty dead page. Like the, one of the last comments was in July of 2013, where uh, this guy Alberto asked, "Do you know if and when the casket will be released in in Italian?" I, I assume he meant cassette, but he wrote casket. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was giving something away, like giving something away about the show. Oh, a big spoiler! Yeah, a big spoiler but about no, the it's, casket in Harsh it's just, Realm. It's just uh, you're just making fun of someone who's uh, English as a second. No, language. no, that was just his comment, and I also for briefly thought I'm like casket. I'm like, oh, I see. You would mean cassette. Also, it's 2013. There are no cassettes. <laughs> you nailed him twice. Got ya, Alberto. Yeah, take it. What was that? What's his actual handles? Just Alberto. Uh, I, like, I didn't write down his Alberto name. underscore Harsh Realm six three two fan. Yeah, that's how Facebook works. Oh, is it Facebook? Oh, sorry. I thought we were talking about Reddit. You're not on there anyway. You don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then I dug around a bit on Twitter. Again, mentions of the show are pretty few and far between. Usually it's mentioned by like someone who's a big fan of 90s television or a fan of Chris Carter. And it's usually in a list of other shows that they liked. Uh, right. Harsh will be like very few people talking directly about the show. Yeah, I've only ever seen it mentioned in lists of like shows that shouldn't have been canceled. Yeah, that seemed to be the most of them. But I was able to dig up one fan who talked about it directly on Twitter. Oh, yeah? Um, so I'll give you a little insight into this person before I get into his tweets here. 
He was a self-identified rapper from New York. Mm-hmm. And I listened to a few of his raps, but the majority of his audio posts were 12-minute rants. Uh, one in particular, I'll just give you an example of his rants, where uh-huh. it was about America pulling its troops out of South Korea and how he had written a multi-page letter to President Trump to tell him about a remote viewing session he had in a dream foretelling <laughs> a nuclear holocaust if Trump didn't stick to his guns and pull those troops out of there. Oh. So that, I think, is probably the biggest fan I found. Here, here are his two tweets very recently. In the last kind of like month, he's been tweeting I was, these I was going to ask you how, but when you said Trump, I was like, oh, I, I assumed that, um, that these were from years ago, but so they're recent. Very recent. Here are his two tweets from the last few weeks about Hush Realm. Just like Hush Realm, it's all about locating and isolating and properly identifying the glitch into real world matrix shit. Oh, best believe, found a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best believe is great. Yeah. Uh, oh, you best believe. So I guess what he's saying is he's found a few glitches where he walked through walls. Yeah. Oh, of course he has. Very. Uh, I, I thought that was very good. He's, he's found some, so we're in Harsh Realm. Yeah. Um, and his other tweet was you ever see the tv show called harsh realm start that shit from the first episode and after third episode tell me what's on your mind hmm which i think is actually a great lead-in to us watching the third episode of the show i like the advice though that he had that is start with episode one because you know a lot of times when people tell you to watch something or read a book you know they're like start at page 65 or start at episode 13 no one tells you like he does because you know why? Because he can just he can see all the glitches, so he knows start from the beginning. It's funny. I don't know if that would be my advice on Hush Realm. Uh, you know what? You're probably right. Don't actually start with the first episodes. Yes, he's wrong. What am I talking about? This guy's wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all I found fan wise. It's very minimal out there. This guy was the highlight of my journey into their uh, derelict fan base, just floating in space. <laughs> I, uh, I, I <laughs> we can probably cut this. I was looking to see if there was any fan art. And when I, when I typed in harsh realm, there wasn't much, but what I did find was a picture, which was, <laughs> I think it's two like foxes that are in an embrace. And the only thing that stuck out was that the person very lovingly drew a, a like a hairy butthole in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that came up for harsh realm for some reason. Hmm, that was the, that was the Google image. search for harsh Yeah, realm. it was very weird. I was like, Oh, okay. It's just lovingly drawn in. Yeah, it was, it was like it, like they, that was the focus. Like it's like oh yeah yeah foxes foxes. But let's get let's, let's get to let's the get the meat here. and potatoes here. The butthole. <laughs> anyway, people, you know, they, it takes all kinds, Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, pay at the pump. <laughs> all right, here is the synopsis for episode three, Inga Fossa. Hobbs and Pinocchio seek out an ID chip forger in hopes of accessing a portal used to bridge both worlds. Sorry, what's what's the title of this? Inga Fossa? Inga Fossa. Huh. Which is a great way to start this episode because we start by following our mysterious government woman we've seen in past episodes, whose name is Inga Fossa. Oh, right. Well, it's funny. I got through most of this episode without realizing what her name is, and I'm sure they say it right off the bat, but I just, I just refer to her as the Burnett. They don't they actually say her name out loud at all. Oh, you they actually don't? catch I caught it on a TV screen somewhere when she ah. uses it. She like scans through a door. I got it somewhere, too, because I wrote down Inga later on in my notes and I assumed I had just missed it. No, no, that's uh, that's that's why you shouldn't be surprised. She is, remains largely nameless for most of the episode. Right. Anyway, we start with her. She's in the real world. She's at some big high level meeting of army brass. Supposed to tell us, I guess, that she works for the military. She then uh, drives off to another military base where Sophie, I guess, has been following her. She's like, Sophie is stalking her, trying to find out what's going on. When Inga gets to this military base, she immediately goes into a room with like a a reclining dentist style chair. Mm -hmm. And when she lies down, uh, a light travels across the roof. It's kind of like being inside of a photocopier. (laughs) Yeah. Did you notice that? I did notice that. It was exactly like being inside of a photocopier. Well, what I noticed was. She's clearly going to go into Harsh Realm here, but they've at least given some sort of visual cue to the audience that she's going to Harsh Realm, mm-hmm. as opposed to the first episode where uh, Skippy goes in. I guess he doesn't. There's nothing. There's no visual cue. Yeah, they, they've added they've added an idea that they scan your body. Right. And then she gets up off the chair and she walks in and she walks into another high level meeting, this time with Santiago. Th- that's what I loved. And I'll just I'll just cut in real quick. Is that how boring is it 
that you have the ability to travel to different dimensions, but what you're doing in each dimension is just going having meetings. Yeah, different meetings. You're just stuck in a meeting. Like how like being in a meeting is the most boring thing a human being can do. And and she's doing it in two different universes. So well she, done, Inga. She had to commute in a car to the second one <laughs> yeah. and then into a different world. It was it was a long, long yeah, one. She should really time her schedule to be like, guys, I, I can't make the twelve o'clock meeting in Harsh Realm. I got a meeting, you know, in in real world. And then, and just try it so she doesn't have to have to go to meetings. I'm just telling, I'm not going to tell her to do her job, but. That's true. I mean, uh, they're not, ta- the military in Santiago aren't talking to each other, so they'll never know. Uh, I don't know. Did you catch this at the meeting? Like, we kind of get a sense of what Santiago's been up to. He starts talking about, like, he's taken over five states. He starts talking about, he thinks this is what the founding fathers would have wanted. If they could see the state of America, they'd want to reset it. It's a weird, I don't yeah, entirely he, know what he means. Well, he has. We're to episode three, and all of the dialogue that um, uh, Santiago, Santiago has is pretty weird and clumsy. It's like they always they want to give him motivations and uh, reasons for being this dictator, but when he starts speaking, you're like, does he even know why why he's yeah, doing this? It's very unclear. And also, uh, I think Inga Fossa says this, but I think she says at some point to him, "Long live the new monarchy." Yes, she does. Yeah, it's, which I was I wasn't sure if she's being sarcastic. So I'm just like, I don't. I think the founding fathers. If even if they were going to reset it, they wouldn't install a monarchy. It seems like that's the thing they didn't want. No, I, I think they did. Oh, it's, he's like, if they could see what happened, they'd yeah. really want Britain to come back. Yeah, reset yeah. up here. It was a good call. Anyway, I, what we really learned from this, it seems like in this episode they're really establishing that this Inga woman is like a double agent. She's playing both sides of the government. Right. And in fact, Santiago says, which is weird, he asks her. If she's gotten any further into figuring out who's been leaking information to Sophie about Harsh Realm, which a Sophie hasn't done anything. How has Santiago figured it out? Like she's. Yeah, it's, it's one of those lines to let you let you know that she's playing both sides. Both sides don't know she's playing both sides. But you're like this whole episode. Sophie spends literally sleeping in garbage. <laughs> oh, I know. It's right. True. She, she she follows. Inga to this building and then the beginning at the, of the episode end of the episode when they when they like bookend it she, she's just been waiting outside the door sleeping in garbage she looks like a homeless person she's sleeping yeah. on a cardboard box next to a pile of garbage yeah. in the military yeah place. so it's like I don't think she's too much of a too much of a threat and literally why is she sleeping in garbage because she followed Inga all the way to the building and it, the door was locked yeah, and that, that was the end of her plan she's like ah oh, I didn't have a key so I guess I'll sleep in this garbage and Bare minimum, 24 hours has passed in Harsh Realm. Yeah. So she's been in that garbage a long time. She's been there a while, yeah. But that kind of sets us up for the episode. We kind of catch up with uh, in Harsh Realm with Hobbes, Pinocchio, the mute woman who they still have not given a name. Yeah, I I don't know what her name is. And also they've given her nothing to do. No, uh, they they know more what to do with the dog who's still in the (laughs) show than they know what to do with this this poor woman who they've added to as a cast. But we should mention, if it wasn't clear for, this is the first time we've seen that someone, other than Santiago, because they've mentioned it, uh, Inga has the ability to come and go from Harsh Realm as she pleases. So we know now for a fact it is possible to come and go, even though for whatever reason the government has made it very clear you can't. It is a good question. I, I mean... I yeah, I don't have a lot to get into on this, I guess. But why? Obviously, there's a way to get in from the reality side, and I guess because Santiago controls the photocopier room in Harsh Realm, that's the only way back. Right? Maybe. I, I, it does. Yeah, but it does raise more questions than it probably answers. I will say this episode was a lot cleaner than the last couple. That right off the bat, they set up a goal for them. They are looking for a forger who's going to help them get ID passes that are going to get them to that photocopier room so Hops can go home. And so they go to find the inventively named Freddy the Forger. Yeah. And and I know we're going to talk about it, but coming up is by far my favorite thing that's ever happened in Harsh Realm. And I can't imagine anything ever on the show is ever going to be as good. But continue. This was, uh, you're not wrong, this was a huge improvement to the show. To find him, they go to an underground fighting ring, I guess. They yeah. call them zip fights. Yeah. And as we arrive... They and why of, do they call them zip fights? They're, it's explained to us as we arrive, they're in this tiny little octagon, like a UFC fight, but it's real small. See, and, and the weird thing is the way it was shot, I just I was like, is that a smaller ring or is that just a weird perspective thing? Because it wasn't clear at first. No. And what happens in this ring is they fight two zip files against each other. That's what we're told. Yeah. They're, we're literally told that in the world... They know that 
there are computer programs that have consciousness. It's so weird. Yeah, we're now to understand that even though it's an exact world like ours, they also understand the idea that there are zip files where you would compress data down into a smaller file, Yeah. which in this world, there's like two... I guess they're the owners of the zip files. They're two different guys dressed as luchadors, kind of like stunting like professional wrestlers. Yeah. And they bring out these big metal dog carriers, which are like shaking around because like the zip files inside are so riled up. They're getting ready mm-hmm. to fight. So I was like, okay, this is going to be like dog fighting in Harsh Realm or something. That's yeah. what I was expecting because you they put dog carriers down and they're really angry. And when they open up the carriers for the zip fight to start, out comes... Two little tiny CGI versions of the luchadors we've just seen who start fighting in the tiny ring. Yeah. The little tiny people. So the zip files in Harsh Realm are for whatever crazy idea. They're compressed file versions of the larger person. Yeah. It's the weirdest. And it's like I, I loved it so much because it's so remarkably stupid. It's so awesome. It's and, the and, greatest. Uh, and just remember. Harsh Realm was created to be a war simulation for troops to fight and have gain experience in war simulations. In what world would you ever need to zip yourself into a smaller version? Well, that would never come up in reality. It would never come up in reality. And, I mean, we can start picking through a ton of things in Harsh Realm, but it's so ludicrous. But I really enjoyed it because it gave at least the slightest bit of levity to a show that is so humorless and uh, and uh, serious that I was like, yeah, sure, yes, I'm I'm all for this. Please, more weird stuff, something. We'll, we'll, I think we'll see this more across these two episodes, but I feel like the writers started, like, taking a different spit. Like, it starts to feel more like that show Reboot. Which oh, was, yeah, I remember Reboot. Which was just a cartoon about what it would be like living in a computer. They're, like, starting to treat the world more like that. It's like, I don't know, what would happen if you lived in a computer? Uh, you zip yourself into a tiny person and then you have those two people fight like it's starting to feel more fun yeah well that, that's my hope anyways so i i liked it it was funny and it was stupid but sure why not zip files for some the, reason the are... little fighters were so fun and funny to look at yeah like a real real crude cgi versions of these luchadors and they just like start kicking each other and <laughs> jumping great. around it's so fun Anyway, to this point that Pinocchio tracks down Freddy in this fight, and it's really weird. Freddy's in some sort of weird leather subdom relationship with this other guy. Yeah. And the only way he can Pinocchio can get Freddy to come with him is he has to beat up his dom. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Just get like they set it up so I guess there's something for Pinocchio to do. The only reason I really mention it because obviously they rescue him from this guy, uh, but because when he fights this this dom they both fall into the octagon mm-hmm. and you get this great cutaway where the two little zip files like dive out of the way guys <laughs> fall like the little zip files are the best little characters yeah. well i actually thought I, this is a better show i want to know about these little zip files lives do they have relationships with other little zip files do they do they have little tiny houses in harsh realm like that's a more interesting show it's a computer world and they're little tiny tiny people that live in this large world and i, I don't know even if they're just the pets of their, like, larger yeah. masters, still very good. Yeah. But that's how we uh, finally, like, hook up with Freddy the Forger, who's going to help them get these ID cards. Unfortunately, as soon as they get him, San Diego's army invades because he's taking over another state. So they raid this. I mean, that's, I guess, what we're left to assume. It's never very clear. But they invade the underground fighting ring, start arresting people left and right. They actually arrest the mute woman so that she... Is out of the show. Yeah, that's like that's that's your classic say, harsh realm. They arrest the mutant and the dog. Yeah. Well, do do they arrest the dog because it just shows up later? I what it is is they left the dog in the car and then someone opens the car and the dog runs yeah. out and they're like, oh, we we also arrest you, dog. Yeah. Uh, but I will say though, when they arrest her, we we get a little piece of uh, harsh realm slang. This is I think also where you can see the writer starting to get a mm. feel for this because when they arrest her, they're like, oh, put her with the rest of the coin slots. Yeah, which I, I think is just a, a now slang term for VCs. Yeah, I, I I wrote that down too. I wasn't sure if that's what it was or it was like a really uh, a really uh, terrible misogynistic comment. No, no, I think I I actually think it is the writers being like, what what else can we call these uh, these non-player characters? I thought coin slots was a great term. As for Hobbs, Pinocchio, and Freddy, they uh, they make an escape 
before the army gets to them, so they're not arrested. There's another convenient glitch. There's it a got, glitch. It, it actually started starting to bother me because it it starts becoming a thing in the show where anytime they're sort of in a not an unwinnable situation, but they're in a, a tough spot. There happens to be a glitch they can use to get out. It's like okay, enough times. I guess so. I, I like this glitch a bit more. This also felt like the same thing. This one also felt like the rise were finding a bit better use because they glitch into what they call a digital void or an unprogrammed game space. It, have you ever played a game and you clip through a wall? Yeah. You know this term, clipping yep. through a wall? Mm-hmm. Like where you step out of the game's infrastructure and kind of now you're behind the scenes and right. like you can see out, but no one, none of the kind of characters looking for you can see you back. And that's kind of what they've done here. They, they step right. out of the game and they, in fact, wipe off some of the black from the wall and they're able to look in on Waters, who's in the bathroom, and they can see him and he can't see them. And I was like, oh, this is actually, they're starting to get a use I did think that was ideas. pretty good. I mean, it's still... They're getting further and further away of the premise of this is just a real world simulation. Like there's kind of feeling more actually like a video game now, but I'm all for that. What I actually thought, and I might be giving too much credit to the show, is that maybe things originally were a representation of the world. But as time has gone on, just the very nature of it being its own isolated uh, world, things have uh, evolved in a different way than they've evolved in our real world. That's how I've been sort of... That's, accepting the inconsistencies and i don't know why i'm trying to rationalize it but that's that's what i thought that's probably a good reason as any i think i mean what else could it be yeah it doesn't really matter so i'm just hoping there's more little wrestler people and stuff like that i i know you're just complimenting the show but this is maybe one of the show's downfalls is uh they're looking at waters and hobbs is just like getting furious he's so angry still at waters for killing the vc version of I sophie know. he's like, still going on about it he like, wants she to, wasn't real he wants to shoot him where he stands for killing the virtual character of his wife and I, i'm just like this guy is not getting it he's not understanding where he is yeah it's it's he's for some reason he's the protagonist of the show he's the lead he's the main character and he's by far the dumbest character he's the dumbest he's just stupid he definitely cannot pick up on what's happening around yeah, him. Yeah, I think he still may not know he's in Harsh Realm. I mean, they smash through the glass that they're hiding behind, basically to knock down waters and threaten him with a gun. And unfortunately, this is the problem with the other show, is the other character, Pinocchio, kind of has his own problems because they knock him down and then Pinocchio makes, because he was at a urinal when they knocked him over, Pinocchio makes a bunch of hyper-masculine, very toxic dick references for a bit. Yeah. He, he's like a worse version of Jake Cardigan. He's just like the well, most they, awful person. I think they, I think the point of him is to be a bit of a, not comic relief, but something a little bit lighter, like this duo, you know, they're kind of opposite and stuff. But first, I don't know why he's even there, because he makes it very clear he doesn't even really like Hobbes. But he keeps tagging along for some reason. And then you're right. All, the only things he makes are kind of like kind of gross comments. So I was like, so why is he here? But just because the lead is so bland. Yeah. I mean, I get you're right. He's probably meant as comic relief, but he's so repulsive. Like everything he says is so repulsive. Right. That I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, he we're supposed to not like I keep telling myself, I'm like, oh, we're not supposed to like him. He's supposed to be like a bad character. And I'm just like. No way. He's the he's the only of two characters. Right. That's it. Yeah. Because we are supposed to like him. There's there's the mute lady and she's never in anything. And then the dog. Anyway, uh, the whole point of knocking over Waters turns out that Freddy the Forger can cut out his ID tag from his chest. They've got one. They're one ID tag closer to being able to break into San Diego HQ and then like zap back to the real world so and and we're gonna see this uh, in the coming scenes but the reason they want the little tag in their chest which we've seen before is it has everyone's it's like a it's a passport or whatever it is it's, it's, got it's all an your, id tag it can test where you are but here's the thing if you could just cut off someone's id tag like people would be doing that constantly do you know what I mean like because because what, what you will be seeing in the next couple scenes is that there's no sort of match to your face to your ID tag. So you could just flash it to a scanner and they're like, yeah, you go by. There's no dual security here. There's no yeah, secondary. It's just, it's just a magnetic scan card. Anybody could use it. You just need yeah. to grab it. You just have to cut it out of some man's chest. That's, yeah, it's just like, well, this isn't a very good system. This goes back a little to the last point, but the only reason Freddy the Forger kind of agrees to help them get all these tags and get in there is because he wants to also go to the real world. Like as soon as he finds out that's where they want these tags for, he's yeah. like, I'm in. I want to go. I'm a virtual character. I want to get out of this world. And again, Hobbes just can't figure out why that, like, Pinocchio's like, you can't. That'll never work. You don't have a body out there. And Hobbes still seems to be like, 
no, no, we should let him try. Yeah. What's he, the- he, he still has this thing of if I want something enough and I try hard enough, it'll just happen. It's just like, got to believe. Yes, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> There's nowhere for that virtual character to go. Like, why? Um, Physics. <laughs> it is very that, funny. This is, this is his whole, you're right. His character trait is he is, uh, he's a perfect Boy Scout who's probably a little stupid. Yeah. Not probably. He's stupid. Anyway, it's not important because from here they drive back to San Diego City. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. Last time they went in, it was so tough to get inside of it. This time they kind of drive in casually to the city. And I'm I'm happy every time they go to San Diego City because it's the only time in the show you ever get where it's light out and it just is not grimy. It's the only time ever in the show because every time they're out in the forest or they're out yeah. in the and it's just like, oh, it's all just brown. And I'm so bored. A- of looking anywhere at San Diego it. doesn't control is a shithole. Anywhere he controls is utopia. It, yeah. yeah. So spend more time in San Diego City because at least I can see the characters. That, that's true. I'm just going to skim through this because not really a lot happens. They break into some major's house who's been dealing ID tags to Freddy the Forger because they need to get one more ID tag. It's very funny. They break in and then they just like cut this guy's also out of his chest. They're yeah. not there to get other ones. They're just stealing this major's. They leave and they're like, all right, now we got to get to San Diego HQ because we have enough ID tags now. They're, they have a car, I think. They seem to have driven there. But they decide the best way to get to this place is public transit. So I know I don't know why they decide that. They get on a bus. But what I did like is your little ID tag is also your bus pass. Yeah, it was it's very convenient. Well, that's the thing. It's like that's what's funny about it. That you just the hold system, your chest The system up. makes makes it's like yeah, you just it's you scan everything. I'm assuming you could buy stuff that way too. But again, it's when they when they scan and you'll see on like a screen will come up and they'll be like, scan. It's you know. Johnny, whatever, but the picture is clearly not the same yeah, person. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah. But no, no one, no one seems to care. No one's looking. Like they're all drone-driven buses. No one, right. no one cares. Um, so that's their plan. I guess they'll just take this bus. I like seeing how public transport worked. You rarely see that <laughs> in future shows. It works exactly. Uh, just like our thing. Yeah, exactly. You just like scan our real... your chest, and then the, your bus passes red. Like, mm-hmm. see if you paid this month, and you get on the bus. Pretty much the same. Pretty good. Except Pinocchio won't go because I don't know why he doesn't want to go back to the real world. So he refuses to go, and it just yeah, leaves- he's a he's a real party pooper that Pinocchio. Yeah, he's just like well, I'm gonna stay here. Yeah, but it's great. They're basically talking on the bus. Hobbs is on the bus. Freddie the Forge is on the bus. The bus drives away, revealing next to the bus, Waters is just standing there with a whole I, army. I know. I mean, someone saw that. Yeah, right. It, it's just yeah, it was a weird. It's a weird thing of like, and yeah, because now Pinocchio's like, oh come on. You guys, I guess you guys were there the whole time. You didn't just drive up. It made a dramatic cut, I guess, because yeah. the bus leaves and then like waters yeah. are just standing behind it. But it, it's a very funny because you're like, everyone would have seen you <laughs> again. Not important. But, you know, what is this podcast if not shitting over the show? Um, can I can I mention a one weird little thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, in San Diego City, you see a lot of like propaganda ads like you would assume when you see dictators and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know why he would even have to run these propaganda ads because he's controlling everything. He controls this world, right? So why why don't he just reprogram people to just like him? Like, I know he can't control the, the actual humans that are in the game, but he doesn't care about them anyways because he's just, through the right of his might, he's making them bend to his will. So why even run propaganda ads? Do you know what I mean? It's a good question. I mean, it just relates back to why put chips in people's chest you can easily take out. Like, there's got to, you're in a computer program, there's got to be a better way. Right. Like, I, I unfortunately, I think it just boils down to... Uh, there's some holes in the in the idea. There's some there's some holes in the idea. Although they do mention in this episode, not even that the places he runs are bad. They actually say they're literal utopias. Pinocchio seems to admire them, so it's right. actually nice living where he works. Like it's not you're not actually being controlled. And here's another point. <laughs> one more one more point. Give it to me. We've seen that when someone dies, the virtual characters die. They glitch out or yeah. whatever they say. But. In terms of the actual game, again, going to the idea that this is a simulation for war, isn't it important to know what to do with dead bodies? Like, is that 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 is not a real world scenario, right? Someone dies and they just fuzz away. It's like, well, but that's not that's not how things would be. I guess, but this isn't a training program for the CDC. Soldiers don't have to worry about bodies. All right, gonna get real nitpicky on you. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> you're so mad right now, just fuming. I'm not fuming. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's got some problems. All right, let's move All on. We let's, can, let's we can get back dig into, into the, the problems that are in the show endlessly. Uh, but there's some good stuff, too. Yeah, we already mentioned the wrestlers. Anyway, Waters 
takes Pinocchio, tosses him in prison with the mute woman, the dog. It's the last we'll see of him for the rest of the episode. He's out of it. We're now just following Hobbs and Freddy on their way to Santiago Security Central so they can get into this um, portal room and go back to reality. Isn't it great, though, that they have Freddy the Forger show up and get all the lines that they could just be giving to the mute woman? Obviously, the mute woman can't talk, but there's no reason in the show they couldn't have just written around and said she could she could forge things yeah. she could forge things and she's with her it's like no we got to get rid of her again it's like why did you even make her a character so far three episodes she's done nothing no i know they it's, they, it's such a weird thing to go here's a new character who's going to go around with hobbs he's he's it's the old jake cardigan they were part, partnering him up with someone and leaving sid at home that's what they're doing again it's such a weird a weird thing a, it is a very weird technique to have this character you just have no use for so at this security center they're going to go use their ID tags to get back home. But Inga Fossa stops them and she gives this big speech about how San Diego is planning the ultimate terrorism, mm-hmm. which will mean harsh realms, the only thing that exists anymore. Yeah, that's what that's what they've they've either hinted at or kind of talked around yeah. so far is that the big plan that San Diego has is that he wants to destroy the real world and only have harsh realm exist again. I don't know how this is actually possible at all, but a lot that's of logistical problem. Yeah, there's a lot of problems, but whatever. He's anyway, apparently worked those out. She wants Hobbs to stay in Harsh Realm so that he can fight Santiago from the inside, and he gives him a letter from his fiance, and essentially this convinces him to stay. Uh, it's not entirely clear why, but I guess it's just because he's such a Boy Scout, he's going to stay and he's going well, to finish his mission. Well, by giving the letter, he does know that it's now possible to go be able to come back and forth i guess so yeah he knows this woman has come and gone i guess you're right that actually kind of gives him some hope i guess yeah and they really are like they're in the room while she's doing this so he's seeing the portal back like he's gotten that close so it's not an impossible task to get there yeah so we should say this happens right like he sees the chair at this point yeah they're in the room with the chair they're in the room he could literally get into the chair and 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 feasibly go home but he doesn't because she she convinces she's just, she's him. Like, and you don't want to do that. And he, he has goes, a bigger mission to complete. And because there's more episodes of the TV show, that's yeah. why he doesn't. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get back. I will say though, uh, this should have been the second episode. Like this should he should have got this close to it. Yeah. and chosen to stay. That would have been a, a good setup. At, at this point, he's been convinced to stay, but we need to see what was going to happen. Santiago and Hobbs were actually planning a trap the whole time. Since it is kind of funny, this is. A weird plan. This is kind of a Quaid from Beyond Westworld's hell plan is they stole the chip from Waters. So he immediately reported like, oh, they took my chip. So they know where he is now because Waters' yeah. chip is in his chest. They're like, let's wait until he gets right to the chair and then we'll jump out and get him. Yeah. Even though I, I was thinking about it, I'm like, you could have just tracked him down at any point, right? Yeah, it's like it's like there's a jewel thief and they're like, should we get him just as he's about to enter enter the museum? Like, no, 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 no. Let's wait till he gets in, gets right till the very end. And he's just about to pick up that jewel. Then we grab him. Yeah. Okay. It's all been a long scam, but you know, he's gone. They've missed him. Um, Another, another in what seems to be a long line of bad guy plans that are overly complicated. Yeah. (laughs) But it's great because when they walk in the room where they expect to find him, Freddy the Forger is still there in the chair and he's like begging them to send him to the real world yeah it's kind of sad poor freddy i was actually really hoping they were just going to do it because i really wanted to see what would happen if they sent a vc to like tried to send actually i didn't think about that would have been a good scene because what would have been cool is they would have done it and you would have seen him something something what would happen well what would be great is if he digitizes or whatever it is and then for a moment in the real world you see this like hologram then just fade away because something yeah that'd be cool i I thought it'd be cool i mean maybe they're saving it because they have a bigger plan for it right um but basically they pull him out of the chair and they drag him away and santiago tells uh a soldier to go to execute him and i'll grant you this it happens off screen but i'm gonna call this for hobbs this is three out of three vc helpers he's killed yeah he kills a vc i wrote that down every episode three for three Good for you, Hobbs. You're really sticking to your guns. And another way you're showing that Inga is playing everyone is that she seems to be playing Santiago. She seems to be playing Sophie. But then she's also playing Waters because she shows up at one point. Yeah, they have a starts, romantic interlude. Yeah, and, she, and like they they start kissing and it's like, oh, classic dames. And uh, they start kissing and they they imply in, you know, PG TV that they're going to have sex on the conference table for some reason. Oh, I forgot and about then, that. And then later on. They're um, in, that's right. They're in the meeting room and she starts taking off her shirt as if yeah. they're going to have sex. 
in the center of Santiago's meeting room. I'm like, someone's going to walk in on you. Yeah, they're like literally in the middle of like battle plans. And she's like, I don't know. And anyways, near this part of the episode, uh, she goes up to Waters and she says to him, uh, like he comes close to her. I don't know if it's to embrace her or whatever it is. But then she goes, we can't risk this. It's too dangerous. And I was like, like five minutes ago, you were just having sex with the guy on the table. You know, problem then. But I think the point was that she's... I don't know. She's fickle. She, uh, she's, well, I think she's playing him is the idea. Yeah, She's playing him as well. So and you're like, Oh, we don't know where she stands. Yeah. I she, mean, she's basically, here's the thing. Classic X-Files. Yeah. It's, that's what I was going to say. It's classic. All, all of the characters have are tropes of X-Files characters for one. You if know, you're a mysterious one, government figure, we don't know whose side you're on. That's, that's how it works in a yeah. Chris Carter show. I mean, yeah, that's definitely where it's going. I mean, the show basically wraps up here. Uh, Hobbs goes and he rescues Pinocchio, Mute Woman, the dog, all the other VCs from the zip fights out of like a prison they're being held in. I, I assume Fossa gave him a key to get in there. And then we kind of see her come back to the real world. And here's what's great. Did you, here's what's weird. She came back naked. Well, she came back naked, A. She doesn't come back in the chair she was in when she right. went in. She's now laying in a bed with the same wires and cables hooked up to her face that we saw when Hobbs was in the bed. Right. Conceivably the government place that they're, they're holding so these people. I guess once you get scanned in the photocopier room, someone goes in, pulls your limp body off the chair, yeah. moves you to a bed. Takes your clothes off. Takes your clothes off, plugs a bunch of wires into you for reasons that are unclear. And then when you scan yourself in the photocopier room in Harsh Realm, you then just wake up back in your body wherever they've moved you to. I think that people just liked in Terminator uh, when he came, when Arnold Schwarzenegger came back naked. I think people just like that. Like when you time travel or anything, you just come back naked. I guess so. And they're like, yeah, she should be naked, right? You're really hung up on the naked part. Well, it just seems I'm so more... weird. It's weird to go in clothes and then have no clothes later. Yeah, so I just don't understand like why they have to move the body. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I... I, there's a real, there's a process of going to Harsh Realm that we're really missing out on and no one's explaining to us. Yeah. You, we, we just want to hear about the engineer who's designed it. He's like, all right, it's interesting because. Who's the guy who moves them? And like, just like, let's, let's just move the body. Like, whose again, job is that? Again, better show. Can you imagine the show is just about the guys yeah. who have to move. <laughs> you never, ever see this digital world, but you, it's just about the guys who they have this crappy job of moving bodies from well, room to room. Well, that's the guy who unravels the conspiracy. That's a more interesting character to yeah. watch that conspiracy from, in my opinion. But we, what we do see here, though, is yeah. after we see we see the, a big secret about Pinocchio. She wakes up next to Pinocchio, his sleeping real-world body, mm-hmm. and as the camera moves, pans across Pinocchio's body, we see... He's really the Batman villain Two Face. <laughs> yeah, he did. He looked exactly like he. He's got one half of his face is burned. Yeah, half of his face is just like badly scarred and burned, so yeah. he looks like Two Face. Yeah, but it's also like, hey, it's not that bad. And that's, that, that's why he won't go back to the real world, because he's just so ugly back in the real world. He's so vain, and so I guess the, what they've implied is that he knew he looked that way and maybe he volunteered to go into the game well and maybe he's further disabled in the real world like maybe he can't stand or something like right that's what i'm assuming he's badly injured at some point they put him in he doesn't want to leave because he doesn't want to go back to his like by the way perfect body makes way more sense to put injured troops that are still mentally capable into the game as opposed to uh hobbs who had finished his tour and go oh here it we'll just put you in the game it's like but then there's all these problems with his wife and stuff you could just avoid that and go this person we thought they're dead uh we know that their brain is still kind of working a la robocop and we're just going to put him into this well, program that's, that's also the premise for um what's it called uh the train that wouldn't stop exploding um source code with oh Jake yeah Jono. yeah like so, that's the same premise be- better title by the way the train that wouldn't stop exploding yeah, yeah. that's that's what it, i can't remember the name of it that's how it is in my but head. again actually mentioning that that character is very similar absolutely to Hobbes in that you know in that movie he just was like I'm gonna just keep pushing and pushing and I'm just gonna prove that if I just want something enough it's gonna go that way and of course in the movie it does which is stupid and I think probably something that's gonna happen in, in Harsh Realm again the same way it's like oh I just keep pushing it long enough but we'll be able to change the laws of physics right right it'll work all right let's, let's move on let's get on to episode four if you're cool with that yeah we don't need to talk about this anymore all right Great. <laughs> I think we've we've dominated. We've covered it. it. We've covered yeah. it. Uh, episode four, Kyan Oskang. Dexter. Hey, boy. Dexter. The little rat's playing appetizer by now. Here, doggy. Here, doggy. Where are you, mangy little mutt? What the hell was that? Software glitch. No. 
something else. Hobbs and Pinocchio find themselves in a World War II computer program, overrun with Nazis. Everyone watching this will have seen this sort of uh, trope a bunch of times, which is someone is repeating uh, their day. Groundhog day. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Their day is repeating in one way or another. And, And the way this is always visually shown is this person has done it so many times they can time things perfectly in three seconds that guy's gonna trip and in 10 more seconds that bird's gonna poop on that woman and what always drives me crazy about that is if you're doing these days over and over and over obviously you are gonna notice that same things happen at the same time but who's actually sitting there timing it and going okay well yeah remember next time i do this it's three seconds like the only reason to ever do that is when you have a conversation with someone so you can try to impress them with how much how, how well you've memorized when things are happening. I'm like, but I would be worrying about other things than and how many seconds it takes for something to happen, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, uh, listener, Jordan's rant will make a lot more sense in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We haven't even talked you, about you it. You jumped way ahead in yeah. something nobody knows about yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should cut that. No, I loved it. It was great. It's very, but it's very true of the episode. The opening of the episode is uh, Staff Sergeant Scott Summers, a character we'll come to meet, who's in Hold a... Is his name Scott Summers? Yeah. That's Cyclops. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure his last name's definitely Summers. I'm pretty sure his first name yeah, was Scott. I'm pretty sure Scott Summers is a, a Cyclops. Interesting. Anyway. But yeah, he's in a World War II era house that's being attacked by gunfire and grenades, but he himself is quite bored by it all, and he's just making himself a casual cup of tea while it's happening, and he kind of knows where all the bullets are going to be and where all the grenades are going to fall and how to like just deal with the situation. It's not a bad scene actually. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. No, it's, 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 it's well executed. It's, a, it's like he's, you know, he's really casual and he's just having a key and like a bullet goes by him and then a grenade comes and he just casually stands up and throws it. Like you you get the sense very quickly and in a very uh well, a very quick sense that uh that he's done this before. That he's done this before. Yeah. It, like for 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 this show that takes a long time to drag everything out, this is a pretty concise scene. Yeah, this for is them. his groundhog day. This is what you were talking about. We then come from this cold open into basically setting up. Again, they do a better job this time. They set up this week's mission, mm-hmm. uh, which is some guy at a bar told him about a military assassin named Captain Wolf who can help them possibly kill Santiago. And they drive out to his last known location, which is this wooded area. And Hobbs, Pinocchio, and the dog go for a walk in the woods and step through a glitch that they then can't figure out, oh, that was weird. What was that glitch? They don't know. But what they've done is they've walked into this World War II battle simulation. It's, it's a, a game within the game. Yeah, well, the idea is in early Harsh Realm tests, they were setting up old World War II battles just to test how Harsh Realm worked. And we'll kind of like, we'll talk about this now. We might as well. This, this battle is this siege of a bridge in World War II. It's a stalemate. The whole simulation lasts 34 days and then repeats itself. It's only two square miles. So when they try to walk out, they just always end up walking back to the bridge. Like there's no way to walk out of it. Um, it, it's sort of that's the premise of where they yeah. ended up. Yeah, it's it's that thing you've seen before in science fiction shows yeah, where it's a good it's a you know, classic premise. Yeah, and it's like we don't have to pay for more than one set. They can never leave that one set. Yeah. It's like yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I was, yeah, you get a nice little bottle episode. Yeah, um, they're immediately captured by alley troops, and they kind of meet Summers here. This is where they kind of meet the guy who knows everything that's happening because he knows every line of dialogue every VC is about to say in the game. What's fun though is uh, Pinocchio immediately recognizes him. Because Sergeant Summers, Staff Sergeant Summers, deserted his platoon during the Desert War and like left them to die. Yeah. And Pinocchio is very pissed off about this, but he's gotten trapped in a simulation where he can't desert. This is his Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. It's a, 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 what am I looking? Just desserts for poor Sergeant Summers. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that really is the premise for the show. Uh, and and here, and it's either in this scene or one of the scenes right around it where they make another comment about eating dogs. And oh, yeah, I, I wish right. I had started from the beginning just with a little tally of how many times they mention eating a dog. And it's a lot. It's always Pinocchio, too. Yeah, he, well, no, no, someone else mentions oh, it as it well. Else? But, but yeah, Pinocchio mentions it quite often. I think he just really wants to eat the dog. And it's like, just let him. It's not a real dog. Yeah, He doesn't need not? to eat, so I don't know why he's going on about it. I don't it, know but... why he needs to kill this Anyways. fake dog. Hey, here's a question for you. Yeah. He kills the dog. <laughs> it's just going to disappear. There's nothing to eat. Well, that's true. So, yeah, what so why is he, he talking, talking about? about? Maybe he wants to eat it alive like a sicko. Take well, that one that one sweet bite. That's the one thing he's always wanted to do in the real world. He's never been allowed. Yeah. Eat a live dog. Oh, and there's something you never see in, in Harsh Realm. You'd assume people would go nuts and kind of do things they couldn't do in the real world because there was no real consequences. But we're not really seeing that. No, there's been no like weirdos. We'll get to that episode, I'm sure, though. Yeah, okay. I'm sure that's one in the... I'm sure on the writer's room board there was like... 
guy who does whatever he wants. Right. The other things we learn here is that theoretically in these early Sims, Summers knows that there's a jump port hidden in them, which it could be a rock, it could be a tree, it could be something, but it basically is an exit out of the Sim. Right. Um, he just hasn't been able to find it. So it kind of gives them an, a thing to do for the episode. They're like, mm-hmm. what we need to do is find this jump port in order to get out of this like looping day. And the other thing I'll mention, I don't know how to, I could try to find a good way of bringing it up, but it doesn't really fit well because it's not that important to the story. But in this war zone, what we also get to find out is there's a small child. This small little boy is mm-hmm. wandering around the war zone, which is great because they immediately pair the dog with the child. Actually, I think at some point to get them out of harm's way, they place them both in a box. That's right. Yeah. So that we as writers don't have to figure out what these these two characters should be doing. Yeah. They they love introducing characters and then immediately getting them out of the way because they don't know what to do with them. And it's like, well, just don't yeah, don't introduce them because invariably they have nothing to do anyway. So there was no point to introduce them. It was a pain to know what to do with them. And they do. I They show them getting into a large box and then closing the yeah, lid yeah. on both of them. Yeah. They're like, leave those characters there for the rest yeah, of the episode. That's done. Anyway, we kind of established that now they're trying to figure out a way to get out. Um, since this guy can't find the jump port, Pinocchio comes up with an idea. If this game they're in is a stalemate, a no-win situation, why don't they try something out of the box? They'll blow up the bridge they're supposed to take in the siege, hence removing any reason for the game to run, and hopefully that'll like kick them out of the game. And let me let me just jump in real quick, and maybe you'll you'll explain why I'm wrong. But one assumes that during this battle people die, correct? Yes. So those people should glitch out. Yes. But then when they reset the game, they're back again. Yeah, that, I think that's what's happening. But they've already mentioned in this show that. Even those, even digital characters, once they glitch out, they're gone forever. That's why you so said about Sophie. They're gone forever. So shouldn't these players never come back again? I, I feel like this is an early version. So when the game just resets on a loop, they just repopulate the same characters. Because these ones but, but aren't based on real people. I mean. Shouldn't they just people? be able to repopulate at any time then? Oh, I think you could. Like, I don't think there's any reason you can't in Harsh Realm. I think it's right. just that they don't, they're not on a loop. Right. If that's okay. what you're asking. I would guess that you could easily bring Sophie back if you just had the right keystrokes. Right. I mean, for all I know in this show. Sorry, Jordan, I've got no answers for you. I'm just trying to pick holes in this not very good world building is what I'm doing. Fair enough. I th- I, I think we have to take this World War II thing out of Harsh Realm. It's a little different. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Way to give up. What I also like, though, is like, it's like, hey, did you feel like you didn't get enough brown and gray in the, in the previous world? Well, guess what? Welcome to World War II where it's even more brown. I was like, ugh. I'm just, it's killing me how how visually stagnant and boring the show is you're obsessed with this visual I, thing. I, I, I don't I hate, even notice i hate the way it looks i, I don't even it. notice it's so dark and i don't know what's happening i will say one thing i think you might be slightly wrong because melanie walked by as i was watching this episode and she's like oh good they got rid of all the like grays now it's at least sepia so she felt uh, there was maybe. actually a change of tone in World War II. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, I guess it's World War II. It's got to be seen. Yeah, I didn't really, but I right. mean, it's it's a minor improvement, if an improvement at all. So, right. uh, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep harping on this for the next you really episodes. You really hate the color yeah. of the show. The it's, color correction of the show is your Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the uh, Jake's uh, jacket for me on this show. <laughs> the color correct. Yeah, color correct. Whoever did this color correct. I'm sorry. I'm going to find, we'll do a segment just on the color correct. So yeah, their plan is blow up the bridge. Hopefully that will cause enough, I don't know, chaos to the simulation since no one can win if the bridge is blown up that they'll get just booted back to Harsh Realm. I guess that's their idea. Actually, he refers to the what would happen as hopefully they'll get kicked out and win or we get digitized when the sim crashes. So I guess getting digitized is what happens when you die. Right. It's just like, all right, so that's that's what the slang for it, I guess, in this world. Um, so they get to work immediately. They find some plastic explosives. Hobbs and Pinocchio sneak out onto the bridge. They kind of put the plastic explosives in. They run a cable to it. Like they're sneaking around at night so the mm. soldiers don't see them, but it's pretty simple. They sneak out there. They sort of put the fuse in and they basically get it ready to go. And it's all going according to plan, except uh, it's at this point. I know we just said they weren't real characters in this episode, but for no reason, the kid and the dog just wander aimlessly onto the bridge. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, where did they come from? Did I just stop paying attention? Well, they kind of just put them aside yeah. until this moment when Hobbs and Pinocchio needed to get caught on the bridge. 
and the kid and the dog just wander dead center down the war- bridge in the center of the bat war zone. And classic Hobbs is like, I gotta save them. Yeah. Because Ho- he's an idiot. Hobbs is like, I gotta save this kid. It's very important to me that we save him. So he runs up and basically, I don't know, he like pushes the kid back so the kid can get off the bridge and he's like immediately captured by the Germans and his dog runs up and the dog gets his, fi- like the dog needs his acting scene. Yeah. So the dog runs up and like barks at the Germans for like, I don't know, being there. And they, the Germans start shooting at the dog, not Hobbs, just the dog. Just the dog, yeah. And the dog like freaks out, runs away and like jumps off the side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. It was a very funny shot of a dog just like leaping off the side of a bridge. Yeah. And then that's basically, yeah, uh, Pinocchio runs back, Hobbs is caught by the Germans, and I guess we just have a slight obstacle to the next part of the show. Right. And it is a very slight obstacle because we cut to Hobbs being tortured by the Germans. I really liked it, though. They're all speaking in German, except they keep calling him John Wayne, which is like yeah. a good a good World War II kind of trope. It's just like... John Wayne, Ickvan John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, that's that's what the American is to them, is John yeah. Wayne. Every, every American is John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And as at this point, we finally reveal that the assassin they've been looking for, Captain Wolf, has actually just been on the German side the whole time. He yeah. got into the same sim. He switched the sides to Germans because the, the sims on this side have better food, so he's just hanging out there. Yeah. It's fine. He far prefers, unlike Summers, he loves being in this loop. It's the greatest. He doesn't want to leave, but he's going to let Hobbs go so he can at least try to get out. And he gives Hobbs a little hint, a little mm-hmm. a little game genie secret. Yeah, <laughs> game genie. Nice. The jump port, it's on the bridge. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't blow up that bridge. At the same time, Pinocchio is swimming under the bridge, I guess. He's going to mount a rescue of Hobbs now that he's been captured because he's a good partner. And as he kind of climbs up the banks on the on the German side of the bridge, uh, the little boy just steps out from a glitch because, I don't know, I guess they just needed to bring the little boy back. Yeah, yeah. Pinocchio is just like, well, where were you 10 minutes ago? I could have used that glitch. Like, he actually has a line, something right. along those lines. Blah, blah, blah. Pinocchio catches up with Hobbes. Because they're such good soldiers, they're not actually going to leave the sim without Wolf, so they, like, Take him a hostage at gunpoint, even though he specifically said, he's like, no, I, I would like to stay here, please. Yeah. I don't want to go back to Harsh Realm. I don't like it there. But whatever. They they need him. So they take him at gunpoint. They start working their way back to their side of the bridge. And I don't know why. Do you Did you catch this? Something gives them away. Like the Germans notice that. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. Like, I guess just because they needed something to happen. The Germans notice them running away. So the Germans start shooting at Wolf and Hobbs and Pinocchio as they run away. Mm-hmm. But the little boy is still with them. And as they're running, the little boy gets shot. Yeah. And it's almost a um, shot by shot recreation of the first episode when Sophie gets shot. It's the same thing. They're running. It goes into slow-mo. He gets shot behind, goes down to his knee. It's the exact same scene. Yeah, he goes, he scoops the boy up in his arms. Hop scoops the boy up in his arms. He's like, no, you shot this boy. And again, he's, he's a digital recreation. He's not a real person. And then the boy digitizes away in his arms. Yeah. And Hobbs is killed four for four VCs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every episode. Every episode, he just kills some weird little VC sidekick. Yeah. And this one, they're not even like half, they're about halfway down the episode maybe. Already killed his uh, sidekick. Yeah. And also, this kid had no reason to be in the show. They like kept him in, the, like he was written in the show to be killed here. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He just yeah. had to get killed in Hobbs' arms so that his streak of killing these VCs yeah. could be kept up. I know. how many, What is it? It's like they need to keep giving him motivation to beat Santiago. I'm like, you're kind of, you're the problem. You're killing. Yeah. All, you're putting these people in harm's way every single time. Anyway, um, they get back to the side of the bridge, but because Summers is a deserting coward, his only character trait, mm-hmm. he has started the fuse already because he's going to blow up the bridge so that he, at least he gets out. At least he'll reset the sim and get away. But they now know they shouldn't do that because the jump port's on the bridge. Yeah. Thankfully, they've already told us the fuse is going to take eight minutes before it explodes. So it gives Pinocchio a chance to go onto the bridge. He's going to go put the fuse out. But like the second Pinocchio gets on the bridge, he gets shot. Yeah. He goes down, he's shot. Hobbs is like, I can't believe this. I have to go save my friend. And Pinocchio kind of rolls off the bridge in the exact same place the dog jumped off mm-hmm. so he can get out of the way of these bullets. Guess what? It's the jump port. Mm-hmm. Hobbs 
sees this. So does Wolf. They kind of also run to the bridge. Wolf gets shot. And even though he could easily also just roll off the bridge, he's like, ah, you go ahead. I'm just going to die right here. Yeah. I'm good. Summers now realizes the jump port's on the bridge, so he's now running through fire across this bridge. That The fuse is getting shorter and mm-hmm. shorter. The tension couldn't be higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it could be higher. Hobbs leaps off the bridge as it explodes, which is this great, like, slow motion green screen shot of him mm-hmm. falling through the air just this massive explosion behind him as he like goes through the portal jump port i'm literally doing the moves in my yeah, chair it looks jordan great right you guys are really missing it jordan's has no emotion on his <laughs> so hobbs escapes we see summers caught in the explosion just exploding on the bridge and our heroes have escaped the sim they don't, didn't get anything out of the situation so they're kind of back at square one but at least they're alive mm-hmm. and that sort of ends the episode, except that we cut back to a bookend of the show, and this World War II sim has restarted, and Summers has also restarted in the sim, yeah. so he's still alive, and he's just like caught in this horrible, like ironic Twilight Zone, and that's kind of where the episode leads, like, oh, this is his torture for being deserted. Yeah. Here's my question, though. He knows where the jump port is. I know. I thought the same thing. I was like... Just go over like right now, like because they make it a thing. Like, like it. You're right. You mentioned it before. It's like a Twilight Zone. That classic. Like, no, it's happening again. It's like, no, but you know the way out now. Just yeah, you, l- l- ten feet, ten feet know, over there. You know now. This yeah. is great. Like, this has worked out for you, Summers, big yeah. time. Like, it definitely tries to give us the idea that he's stuck in his own personal hell. But everything we know about this show tells us, like, no, this guy can really easily get out now. Yeah. The fact that he somehow didn't die in that explosion, which also breaks the rules of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. But that's the end of the episode. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, now that you've watched episode three mm-hmm. and episode four, tell that Twitter guy what's on your mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's on my mind? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've had any grand thoughts. I think maybe he got more out of the show than I have. I haven't had the, maybe the existential crisis that he had after watching this show. You know, he saw the face of God or something. But uh, I was just like, yeah, there's two more episodes. Let's do more episodes of that show. I will say, I think the quality has improved. I, I would agree with you. I think we've said this before, but at a certain point, these shows sort of solidify. And this one's maybe taken even a little bit longer than some. Uh, maybe not. It's about, But it knows what it is now. It kind of, you know what the structure of the show is going to be. It's, you kind of know what the characters are. Like, nothing's very good, but you know what the show is. If you if you like it, you know what the show is going to give you at this point. You can feel like they're they're getting a better feel for what they can do in the show. And it, it, I don't know. I had a lot more fun with these two episodes. I was like, if they had just skipped those first two episodes and I had started here, I might have still been a little more confused. Oh, I, I agree. I actually don't think they needed the first episode. All this stuff of this exhibition and building this world, I, I wish they hadn't done it and just had given – uh, kind of hints at it Insights as we went into it, because yeah. under close in, uh, inspection it doesn't hold up really so why even bother creating that just put it in the in the viewer's mind and they can create their own world and just give hints of it um because the first episode is the worst episode and it's like if i'd watch that i was like i'm not gonna keep watching this you show canceled it too i would have canceled it yeah but yeah no uh three and four what do you, all right let's actually just get into the writings then uh inga fossa episode three i'm gonna give a seven but with a caveat one of those points is simply just for the wrestlers those, i would have normally a six but i'm giving it a seven because i like those wrestlers those so much. wrestlers were a huge boon to the episode i overall the episode wasn't the worst but uh those wrestlers really like put me in a good mood yeah um i'm gonna give it a 6.5 oh we're pretty close on this we're one we're pretty close all right what about uh episode two hold on let me find the title for it and i'm gonna butcher this german again kane osgang also do you know what that means kane osgang no it's on the bridge uh in the actual episode, that's what's written on the bridge. Hmm. means no exit. Because hmm. that's the whole show. There's no exit from the sim. But there is an exit. There's yeah, a jump port right off the is, bridge. There is. So what, what do you give it? Uh, I'm going to give that episode a seven. Wow. I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to go down on this one. Really? I, I liked it more than the last episode. No, I liked episode three more. I thought this one was a really fun little sci-fi premise that like was pretty well executed. And I had a good time. I looked up... In the first episode, remember uh, when Tom first goes into Harsh Realm, it says on um, each side of his chair, Siege and Perilous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does mean something. And what it is is um, Siege and Perilous, according to Arthurian legend, uh, is the vacant seat at the round table reserved by Merlin for the knight who would one day be successful in the quest for the Holy Grail. Oh, so it's just setting up. That he's like the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense then. 
I mean, I don't know if that's interesting to is, anyone, but uh, you know, I looked it up. It kind of yeah, it just builds into that mythology, really. So that's uh, it's from the Arthurian legends. Yeah, who I've knew? Never, I've never seen that in a movie. Someone no. get on that. So good for you, Chris Carter. Chris Carter pulling deep, some deep cuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I think that's about it for the episode this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to talk to us about Harsh Realm or any of the other things we're watching, you can get a hold of us at continuumdrag at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at continuumdrag. I think this will be a good week to look at it because I think we're going to have uh, those little men, those little zip mm-hmm. files on there as a little gif. Um, we'll find some other good stuff too probably. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good uh, explosion jump in here. There's a few good gifs in these episodes, yeah. I think. I'm looking forward to seeing what you pull, Jordan. Thank you. Um, And until next time, Jordan, uh, it was good talking with you, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, pay the pump. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rexiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Emily Carter, and Dwayne Wright.